Welcome back to Basic Brain Heart, the show where we celebrate and interrogate creatives of all stripes. I'm Hannah Camacho. Hey, you know, usually I try to make these conversations about our guests as it should be, because that's really why you're here to listen. Um, but I figured I'd take a just a quick minute to share a little bit about my own creative journey. Um, I usually express my creative inclinations artistically as, as a visual artist. Um, I just loved, I've always loved to draw and um, have experimented with lots of different mediums and lately I'm really, really diving into various digital mediums, learning the Adobe products as well as um, I have an iPad Pro with, a, with Procreate, which I really especially love. All that to say, I would love to connect with you on social media. You can find me on Instagram at Hannah, that's with an H, A-N-N-A-H underscore Camacho. That's C-A-M-A-C-H-O. So you can find me there. I'd love to see what you're creating. You can see what I'm creating, or you can connect with me on Twitter at Basic Brainheart. Show me what you're up to on your creative journey, and I'd love to show you what I'm doing on mine. This week, we explore the creative journey of Laura Srebny. Now, Laura is currently a writer, but she has quite the past as a producer in animation and is now a writer which is pretty cool. And, and she didn't necessarily expect that to be her uh, path. She um, started out studying marketing and thinking that was going to be her journey and ended up sort of stumbling into the world of animation and spent many years at Nickelodeon and, and uh, served in various leadership roles during her time at Nickelodeon and has evolved into more of a writer's role and really shares kind of along the way how each of those um, pieces in her journey so far took place and what she did and maybe even didn't do to um, help create a circumstance in which those opportunities were given to her. You know, it's super hard to believe that we're almost up to 40 episodes. This is crazy. This has been quite the journey so far. And one of my favorite things about each of these conversations is that we're hearing a lot of the same types of tips and tricks and feedback and similar stories, not, not so much that the paths have been similar in every case, they've been very, very different, but there are oftentimes ingredients that you can pick out um, and see common threads in each story that certainly helped to uh, contribute to the positive outcome for so many of these creators, things like uh, hard work, perseverance, honing your craft, looking for your, you know, finding your voice, um, and, and those are things we can control. And so I have found that really, really personally enriching in my own creative journey. And I hope that you're seeing those common trends as well. And of course, Laura's story shares a lot of those same pieces and trends. And, and I know you're going to find it really personally enriching. And I hope you enjoy the conversation. And feel free to reach out to Laura or myself and share your thoughts about your own creative journey or anything that she happens to share that you find really, really helpful or encouraging. All right, I'm going to get out of the way now so you can enjoy the conversation with the fantastic Laura Srebny. Laura, I'm stoked to have you on the show. This is exciting. I love your background because it's a lot different than um, a lot of the folks we have had on the show so far. And I, I love that you've kind of uh, changed it up a little bit, it sounds like, recently. And so I'm super excited to hear your story. Oh, great. Well, thank you for having me. 
So one thing I do like to ask before we dive into kind of the history of who you are and how you got to be where you are is um, talking a little bit about what you are up to today. So what, what's kind of going on in your world these days? Sure. Uh, yeah, so I've been lucky enough to be doing uh, writing and animation for the last couple of years now. Um, most recently that's been released, it's, animation takes a long time, so a lot of the stuff I'm doing you have not seen yet. But uh, most recently, you can see Spirit Riding Free on Netflix, it's a DreamWorks television series, and uh, the Hey Arnold movie that premiered a couple weeks ago. So I've just been keeping busy, keeping busy writing cartoons. There we go. That's really exciting and um, probably more creatively fulfilling than maybe what you have done in the past. I look forward to kind of hearing your thoughts on that. But before we do dive into that, I'd love to hear, we can go all the way back to baby Laura (laughs) (laughs) and the beginning of you and maybe just, just kind of walk us through a little bit of your childhood and, and anything that sticks out as being of interest in terms of how it affected you as a person leading up to where you are now. Sure. It's a big question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's like therapy. Uh, Okay. So I was born in 1988. Uh, my parents both worked for the the government um, diplomats, so I was born in Hong Kong actually, and spent the first couple years there, and got to move around a lot while I was growing up, which was really amazing. So we lived in Israel and London and Turkey, uh, and then Virginia was kind of the home base for us. We would go back there between posts. How often did you move? Like, was it like clockwork every year? It was. Usually every three years we would move, which was kind of, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I know, I'm sure it was hard for some people, but for me, I think I really enjoyed the new new places and fresh starts, especially like after middle school, I was like, oh, I screwed everything up in this place. Let's like start over at a new school. I can be cool now, like fresh start. Um, and it was exciting to get to, you know, live amongst different cultures mm. and, uh, I really love that. Absolutely. Is there any one particular place, of course, besides Virginia, that really kind of sticks out as like a favorite? I mean, London for sure was obviously amazing. Uh, and that was most of my high school was in London. So that was very cool because, you know, it, it's, it's, you got to be really independent there. They have great subway and the drinking age was younger. So my friends and I could go to the pubs. Um, and it's just a beautiful city. It's it's amazing there. That's cool. So that was that was pretty great. I dig it. So you have like a super rich and like diverse background, and that's probably really informed what you are doing today. Is my guess. Is I there anything so. that your parents did growing up that you feel um, kind of gave you or set you up for success in terms of pursuing what you're passionate about? Anything in particular? I mean, they were always just very supportive. I, uh, where I am now was not a plan. Um, Hmm. it was not something that I I don't think I even knew that people wrote cartoons. (laughs) What? You know what I mean? You don't really hear about that. Uh, I loved cartoons growing up. I, I never grew out of them, but it just never occurred to me to think about who made them. But I always, uh, drew a lot. My, my older sister drew a lot and watched anime and read comics so she kind of got me into all that and my parents were always really great about getting me art classes and art supplies and I used to write a lot of stories and they would pretend that they cared so it was 
it was just a really supportive environment for uh, kind of artistic endeavors. And they probably just sensed I wasn't going anywhere with math and science. So they were gotcha. very nice about that. <laughs> That's great. So as you started kind of going through high school and you started getting to the age where college was on your mind, did you have anything in particular in mind or did you, did you go to college or did you have anything particular in mind as far as what you wanted to study? I did go to college. I, no, I went into it real blind. I got to say, um, I, I took some very hard art classes in high school, um, up to junior year and kind of really burnt myself out on that. And then was, I moved from, I moved from uh, London to Virginia senior year, which was kind of hard on me. And so for whatever reason, I was just kind of really checked out that year and, thinking about college was hard for me. And I didn't, I just didn't, there was nothing driving me that I was like, I need to study this or I need to be this someday. So I kind of just picked on what city I liked. I, I applied to a few schools all for different things. And it was just kind of like, all right, well, I have to pick a school and whatever that is, that'll pick the direction of my life. And so I picked Emerson college in Boston because Boston is amazing. Um, and I studied marketing there. Cool. Just because that is a good general topic. It is a very I, good job. Yeah, <laughs> it's sort of the cop out, cop out major. And no, I figured I could, I could do something It's like flexible. That. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you, you have a cool idea of like what the advertising world is. And I was like, I can beat Don Draper. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. So that's what I went into just with no particular mm-hmm. passion or motive. <laughs> I love it. And then um, once school wrapped up, uh, when you started looking for jobs, what happened then? Sure. So I was really lucky. So Emerson College is, um, it's liberal arts, but it's it's really focused on uh, film and TV, I would say, mm-hmm. and some mm-hmm. musical theater, if you're not a marketing major. <laughs> so their last semester of college there, they have an internship program in Los Angeles. So you come out here. I I applied for some internships in marketing and advertising. And the one I got was actually with a friend who was an assistant at a production company. And so she kind of hooked me up with an internship there. And I took it because I was like, that's fun. I love, I love TV and movies, obviously. And I love her. So I was like, yeah, let's work together. This will be great. And that gave me a chance to try something different, which was reading a lot of scripts, doing coverage, working in film and TV, which was a whole different world for me and just was really exciting. Absolutely. So then once the internship wrapped, did you actually get a job offer or what happened then? So what happened then is, so then I graduated and I was like, okay, I am out here. And I kind of planned to stay in Los Angeles just because it's a great city. It's always sunny. It's very beautiful. It is on. It is on fire currently, yes. but otherwise, very <laughs> nice. Are you close to any of the fires? No, I'm okay. Fine. That's good. That's good. Yeah. We um, have a lot of those up here too in Washington State. So I hear you. You do surprising, yeah. Oddly enough, <laughs> uh, so I stayed out here and I applied for an internship to um, Nickelodeon Animation, and that was something that I had I had applied to before and didn't get, and you know there. I didn't go to art school. I didn't study animation, but I had always loved cartoons and Nickelodeon, especially, you know, had all the classic nineties 
cartoons. And it was just kind of on a, it was on a whim the first time. The second time was just to prove a point, I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I got an internship there right after college and started working with their live action development team. Awesome. That's cool. And, and having not, because you didn't actually have a degree in that discipline, did you feel that you, the learning curve was bigger or did you feel like your first inter- internship really set you up and you kind of knew what you needed to know and it felt natural? How, how did you kind of feel um, not having a degree that was exactly matched up with what you were pursuing? I think that there was definitely a learning curve. I So I went from the internship in live action to working as a PA in animation. And that was definitely a learning experience just because, it, again, like I didn't know people made cartoons. <laughs> so being a PA, I was like, what does this mean? Like, do I get coffee? And it was, it was not that at all. It was learning about the pipeline and the animation process and just production skills and management skills. And it was a whole different world. But I think that from my experience, it seems like a lot of people that were PAs and coordinators starting with me had gone to art school, hmm. but nobody learns production work. So yeah. we were all kind of learning together. That's nice. So I That's felt certainly comforting. <laughs> yeah, it was nice. It was very lucky. <laughs> And what, what do you think is something, do you, do, you, do you feel like you're naturally inclined to learn quickly and to just not be afraid to just jump in and, and excel? Some people I think are more naturally inclined to just do things really well and be really um, dedicated to that. Well, I think others require a little more handholding, not that that's bad. Um, <laughs> do you feel like you're kind of naturally inclined to just taking the bull by the horns and going with it? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to think so. I'm That's sure everybody cool. likes to think so. But uh, <laughs> True. No. Yeah, I, I I feel like I'm a fast learner, and I had some great teachers, and, and you know, my coordinators and supervisors were so great in, in kind of leading me through everything. Um, but yeah, I think I, a lot of where I got, I think, was just kind of taking risks and jumping into jobs that I didn't know on the hopes that, like, all right, well, three weeks in, I'll know how to do this. Totally. And I just have to survive the first few weeks. And by then I'll be a pro. (laughs) Just as that's survival mode. Cool. And, and I kind of want to explore a little bit more of your story before kind of diving into some more philosophical questions. (laughs) Um, So you're a PA kind of what came next and what has led up to um, you being in the writer's room? Sure. So, Oh, I, well, okay. Before I was a PA, (laughs) totally forgot. Um, so I worked on a show called Robot and Monster, which was uh, new at Nickelodeon a few years ago. And I started during its first season and their script coordinator went on maternity leave and they needed someone to fill in for her for just a few months. Now for listeners who might not know, a script coordinator doesn't actually write. What do, sure. what do they do? And I think it might be different between live action and animation, but in my experience in animation, script coordinator handles the production side of scripts. So they do all the, the filing and distribution and all that business, but they're also in the writer's room, taking notes on things, writing up what people are saying, you know, checking schedule, all, all kinds of tasks. But the best part was being in the writer's room, which was like the coolest job in the world. Like I couldn't believe it. <laughs> You're like, what is happening? Yeah. I was like, you guys are paid to just sit here and like make each other laugh. And just like lay on couches. And it was the best. 
<laughs> that is super cool. So, and I mean, that feels like a little bit of a lucky break, but I'm sure there's a reason you were picked for that, <laughs> to fill that role, right? I'd like to think so. I, I remember interviewing for it, and it was only between me and another uh, another person, because I guess I needed somebody very quickly. That's and I remember feeling bad because I saw this other girl, and she came in very dressed up, and I was like, oh, I didn't think to do that. I'm not going to get this. And uh, I went in, and I'm sure it depends on the creators, but the the showrunners for Robot and Monster were just extremely chill, laid back, very dry and cynical. Mm. And <laughs> I I just they probably you know, just let them like... make weird jokes. And I, I think I made a dick joke, and then I was like, this is either going to be like the worst idea or the best idea. <laughs> and it and I feel like that's what got me the job. <laughs> Like, oh, you don't snap. know, a lot of stuff gets said in the writer's room, and it's true. They, they wanted to know that I could handle it. <laughs> that they could trust you with it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, that makes perfect sense. So that's a cool um, cool gig. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I, I know I, I would imagine that's often the prequel to actually becoming a writer. I it mean, is, that would be yeah. my guess. It's, I mean, I, I didn't, I don't think I realized at the time that that kind of was skipping a few steps. <laughs> You know, you don't you don't usually just get to be a script coordinator. Uh, so that was, even if it was only for a few months, it was an amazing opportunity. So then I, uh, the the actual script coordinator came back, despite my best efforts. Um, she came back, and so luckily they had a spot open for a PA on the same show. So I got to stay with that crew, and I worked with them in production for a year or two and got promoted to production coordinator at a certain point. So I was running the uh, design team, which is also very fun. <laughs> and I, I really enjoy that. Actually. I, I really like, I don't think production work is for everybody. It, it requires a lot of organization and discipline and just keeping track of schedules and filing. And I really get a lot of satisfaction from just data entry and <laughs> that's cool. I mean, but you need people like that. I think a lot of, yeah, a lot of people I think have a misconception that especially in animation, it's just a bunch of fun and games and goofiness and somehow it just all comes together, but there's that need for, <laughs> for order. And yeah. You're, you're kind of, I mean, a lot of times, and unfortunately it's a lot of women that do these production jobs because you really are kind of made into the mom where there are a lot of fun and games and you're the one that's coming in to be like, stop it. You are late on this deadline. You have to like sit down and do this work. I'm going to look over your shoulder. So you do get some pushback and resentment, but it can be done yes. <laughs> in a friendly way. Yeah, that's true. Speaking of that, I feel like that's a natural segue into a question that I do have, which is um, in your, you know, during your periods of, of being uh, in the production realm, what have been some things maybe that you had to learn the hard way, or maybe you've always just been super natural at keeping things moving. And, and I think as a producer, you almost become the glue that holds the team together, but you have to have really solid leadership skills and knowing how to deal with different types of personalities and different types of people. And especially in an industry where there are a lot of males, you also have to be really good at interfacing with, you know, people um, that aren't maybe like yourself um what what have you learned um or found really helpful in terms of that working with a lot of different types of people 
Yeah, it was definitely it was definitely a, <laughs> a learning curve. I think um, my first job uh, managing the design team on that show. I think I definitely was very much uh, schedule focused and I, I kind of got stuck in the, in the schedule and the deadlines and that can happen because that is your job and your supervisors are telling you to make this stuff happen. <laughs> and I think I would get a little carried away with that and forget the human element of it. So when I would go to somebody and be like, I need this today, they, you forget that they're people and like, their job is hard. And, you know, sometimes you have to go back to your supervisor and say like, Hey, this guy needs a break. Like he needs extra time. Something's happening in his life or just like you aren't giving him a lot of times you're just not giving them enough time in the schedule. And so it was, uh, definitely had to learn how to balance the schedule versus the people and make sure that I was looking out for them too. And it wasn't just a, because at the end of the day, we're making a cartoon, you know what I mean? Like, their life matters more than that. <laughs> oh, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And That's you know, a, we, yeah. we have that problem all over the industry is the burnout issue, but yeah. um, yeah, I tried to, I definitely, I, I'm not good at a bad cop. So I definitely tried to get things done with positivity and <laughs> just support and encouragement. I mean, that's all you can do. It's, it's a, it's a tough job because your job is to get these things done, but you have no control over getting those things done. And so that's, it can take a toll on you and your stress levels. <laughs> you almost have to play the part of the diplomat where you're trying to keep yeah. everybody happy. Um, and but at I the used same to time think about moving. that, you know, because I, you know, I, I grew up with diplomats yeah, and I was exactly. like, oh yeah, okay. So maybe this, oh. is, this is what my dad does, I guess. <laughs> Um, but with government, <laughs> a little Lord. higher space. Yeah. Um, but I actually really like that. And I, I never consider myself an outgoing person and, or somebody that liked to talk a lot. And this job required a lot of, you know, I would get up every day and go visit everybody and just check in with them. Not even about their work, but just like, Hey, how's it going? How was your weekend? How's your wife? And just trying to make sure everybody's happy and comfortable because that's the other part of it is, Make sure the working environment is pleasant for everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a great, great point. So I'm sorry, we got a little bit sidetracked on your story, but I feel like I felt like that was like a natural oh, kind yeah, of place of to ask that question. Um, yeah, let's let's pick it pick it up where we left off. And how did you end up in in the writer's room as a writer? <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so I got this amazing position as a manager for an animation department within the studio and they were just kind of this strike force of talented artists who if any show needed emergency retakes or like had a special project like oh in this episode we go into like a spaceship video game and we need to know what that looks like our team would provide that animation and so we kind of got to work on all the shows at Nickelodeon which was amazing it was very very cool and I got to meet a lot of great people and work with all the artists. And it was just this awesome, awesome job. And didn't really have any oversight, which was great for me. <laughs> I really enjoyed being in charge. Um, so while I was doing that, that, that gave me a lot of creative freedom just because, you know, there's only so much you can do during the day once you assign tasks. And so I had a good amount of free time 
And Nickelodeon had a shorts program that they had just come up with that year. They wanted to make like a dozen animated shorts that maybe would be pilots. Maybe they're just shorts. I don't, I don't know if they knew what they wanted to do with them. <laughs> I'm still not sure if they know what they're doing with them, but they were open to anybody to submit uh, pitches for. And so I figured I had to take that opportunity and I pitched a short to them and just had the right idea for what they were looking for uh, and pitched a show or pitched a short uh, called Tally Silverman peer counselor. And uh, they were looking for some female fronted projects, I think. And so kind of against the odds, uh, they, they picked up my short to make, which was amazing. And it was just this awesome, I mean, even if it had just ended there, it would have been like a once in a lifetime opportunity because they just, they, they brought in a uh, writer director, Julia Vickerman to kind of help me bring it to life. Cause you know, who was I? So they, they brought in somebody who's experienced to kind of help me work through like, okay, what's the story? How are we writing this? How are we presenting it? And they brought in artists and musicians and, it just this it was just so cool to get to see the entire pipeline process, but it was my project and it was unbelievable. Yeah. So so cool. Uh and so that finished and as they were kind of finishing, I remember thinking like if I s- miss this opportunity, like I'm I'm a I'm a fool. You know what I mean? Like this is this is insane. I can't I can't end this and not have anything to show for it besides the shore, which is great. Uh, so I went to the development team afterwards and I was like, great, we made a short, loved it. That was so cool. But here's how I think that this would be as a series. And I kind of expanded on it and was like, here are the other characters we can introduce and here's the stories and here's the world that I would build given the opportunity to expand this. And, um, and they let me. They they picked it up for a pilot. And that's kind of where it all took off. And spoiler alert, they did not make it. You cannot find that anywhere. It got killed. But but it was, again, I, I got to write that one myself. So that gave me some experience writing and working with uh, different directors and writers. Got me an agent. Just all this. It just like opened all these amazing doors. That and is so cool. Do you feel like... Like, are you a super proactive person when it comes to, like, really networking a lot? Like, and I hate that word so very much. I, and by that, I just mean forming relationships that are meaningful and really building trust that have helped to open these doors for you. Like, how, how do you feel that the way you approach work has set you up for success, if you know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. Um, I know networking is the worst for sure. <laughs> oh, I, I really do hate right? that word. <laughs> I I would say I've never networked I've never networked success successfully. And I'm using quotes on network. But definitely having friendships and having relationships in the studio has helped. It's never been anybody that I've like slipped a card to that's actually worked out. But it's yeah, being I guess like, I mean, it's just the same as in life. Like if if you're you're real and you're a good friend and you, you try and make real. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like people notice. And they said this when I started that it's, I mean, animation, especially such a small world. And if you're good to the people you're starting with, 
you're all going up together. And, you know, some of the people that I interned with or PA'd with now are art directors and showrunners and, you know, we look out for each other. So definitely that helped. And I I will say that it definitely opens doors because the pilot that got killed, I worked on it with, uh, they paired me with another showrunner whose name is Ori Wallington to help oversee it. And even though that pilot got killed, Ori went over to DreamWorks to to show run Spirit writing free. That's great. And she brought me with her. So, (laughs) I mean, voila. Yeah. So, (laughs) definitely networking by just having friends is very nice. Absolutely. Forming, yeah, taking a relationship seriously. That that's awesome. So, as far as the transition, have you always loved writing? Has is writing kind of a newer thing for you? I'd love to talk a little bit about how. That's gone so far. Yeah, absolutely. It it's always been. I think as a kid, I was one of those kids that wrote a lot hmm. and wrote little stories, and um, you know, I have the remnants of like two or three failed novels that I started as like a nine year old trying to write the next Red Wall. Um, so it was always something I did, and I loved creative writing. I loved English. I loved reading books. But for whatever reason, it just never struck me as an actual direction, especially TV writing was never something I thought about. And I went to school with a lot of TV writers and I'm married to a TV writer, but it just always felt very distant to me. Um, so I, I guess I'm that jerk that kind of stumbled into it. <laughs> no, I watched a lot of TV and movies and certainly like That'll thought about story. Yeah. Uh, but it was definitely, it was... So the transition was scary. I can imagine. <laughs> and, you know, going from, I, I thought about it because I got, well, first of all, to get the job, you know, Ori suggested me, but I still had to meet with the network over there. And they asked for a spec script and they asked for a pilot to hear my voice. And so I had to write all this material very quickly. And like, thank God I had my wife to explain <laughs> script format and everything. Um, so, you know, it was, it was a rough few weeks <laughs> just pumping out material, but even once I got the job offer, it was, it was scary. I consider not taking it because production and animation is very steady, reliable work. There's always work. I could have continued to do it Yeah. forever. You know, even if you're a successful writer, there's downtimes, there's periods in between shows, there's yeah. hiatuses and especially with being married to a writer, I was like, I don't know if this is a good idea for both of us to do this. That is scary. But we're, you know, we're at a point in our life where, you know, we don't have any kids, we don't have any mortgages. So it, it was the right time to take that kind of chance. And I'm really glad I did. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And how long have you been writing full time? I think two or three years at this point. That's pretty rad. What do you think are um, kind of as you as you've had to dive into story more seriously? I mean, yeah, when, when you're in production, you're absolutely attached to the story. What are some of the things that you've learned about yourself as a writer um, as it relates to story? And maybe some of the I'd love to hear about any challenges you've encountered or things you've learned as you've been doing this and working with other writers. That's a very open ended sure. question. No, <laughs> Uh, the challenge is that 
the Simpsons have done every joke and Buffy has done every story. <laughs> so you're always copying one of those two. That's true. Um, which is great footsteps to follow in. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I think that if people, if everybody got the chance to try this, I think because the folks that watch a lot of TV and read a lot of books and watch movies, I think there's more intuitiveness to writing a story than we think. There's, there's obviously so much uh, technical craft that's required. And like, I had to learn about act breaks and just three act structure and rising action. And there's, there's little things that you have to learn for sure. But I think that, getting to learn just like th- that there is a sense of story that I don't know. It's just a fun side of me to explore. Yeah, absolutely. And do have you had any, have you ever, um, I'm sure you have encountered writer's block and when you do, what do you like to do to kind of get your creative juices flowing again? Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> deadlines help. You just don't get to have it. I I've um, been lucky to work on some really collaborative uh, rooms and so I've, we've all kind of set up and I've worked with a few of the same people. We've, we've gone from show to show together and that's really nice. Cause you just build up these relationships and a, kind of a trust with them where if I'm stuck on something, I know that I can send it to them and be like, I'm stuck. I need fresh eyes on this and I can trust them to kind of help me through it. So collaboration is huge for me. And just being willing to be like, this is super rough, but I just need help on it. And being willing to take that feedback, which is huge. Yeah. I mean, that's that's... scary. (laughs) (laughs) It is. But I mean, it's, it's a cliche thing to say that like the funniest joke wins basically. And that, that was hard to learn just because sometimes you're like, but my joke was funnier. Even if the group disagrees, I'm sure of it. But that, that collaboration and, and, building off each other is so important. And at the end of the day, like your name's on the script. So like, you still look good. It's true. That's a really good point. And it it helps so much. It helps so much to have people weigh in because you get so mired in it that you don't even know which way is up anymore. And you're like, I, this could make, this could be the best thing I've ever written or this could be nonsense. (laughs) And I do not know anymore. But there's some, some safety kind of in the group. I like that. That's, that's really interesting. Huh. Yeah, I, I've been I've been lucky to to write mostly in writing teams. Um, so I, I know there's some shows that staff freelancers mostly, mm. and they're and in I'm, silos, really. <laughs> yeah, and I've done a couple freelance scripts for shows, and it's it's fun, but it's definitely it's definitely a different environment to work in a room and to all be in this together. And even if it's your script, everybody's sharing the show and everybody's sharing the product and that's a great point i think when a lot of people just in the general population think of someone being a writer as a profession they think of it as a very solo kind of a pursuit but um i do think that's one great thing probably about um writing for tv is that it is a collaborative um type of pursuit that's that's a really great point i love that that's great so yeah definitely even if you're writing solo, like be willing to take the notes. That was, that was a big, a big thing for me to be like, Oh, this is good for me. (laughs) This just helps. When you look back on your most fulfilling experiences so far, whether it's, you know, in the production realm or the writing realm, what do you think it was 
and is about those teams um, and experiences that made them so fulfilling for you? Well, um, you know, I've also been, I I feel like I've had a really unusual path in a lot of ways. And one of them is that for the most part, I've worked with uh, teams that are mostly women. And I've worked on shows that are run and created by women. And usually there's like maybe one guy in the writer's room right now. It's all women in the writer's room. And it's, that's been very fulfilling. (laughs) Just, just knowing, you know, it's such a boys club still in animation. And so I, I try not to take for granted the situation I'm in right now because it's so freeing just to be working with all women. <laughs> I know that's unfair. I, yeah. Men are great. They're great. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's Love fun. Them. Yeah, no. But it, it's, yeah. it's fun and it's, it's just such a different vibe. You don't have to – there's just so many walls that come down as soon as you walk in. And, and the shows I'm working on – like the show I'm working on now is, is it's an action adventure show, but it's women. It's all, it's almost all women in the show. And it's just so amazing and freeing to write that and to not, (laughs) I've worked on things and, and in my own stuff too, there's so much pressure if there's just one or two female characters because everything rides on them. And it's been stressful to to try and write something and then have the people be like, Oh, but you know, but that'll be offensive because not all girls act like that. And I'm like, that's not fair (laughs) that she has to be all girls. And so it's so great to work on a show where there's so many characters that one of them can be really ditzy because one of them is really smart. And one of them is kind of a jock. And one of them's like, you know what I mean? Like you can be all kinds of different things. And that's been just so great. That's, that's a really good point. I dig it. What do you think? Oh, sorry. Go go for it. Well, no, I mean just the other it's been great to try and uh, I'm trying to think of a better word to say this, but like getting a chance to get in here and kind of push my own gay agenda <laughs> has been very fulfilling to, to try and really make that happen because it's something I needed as a kid and didn't have. And I, I think a lot of us in the industry now are really trying to, to make that happen for the next generation. And like, you know, you see Steven Universe and you see Loud House and they're doing all kinds of great things for that. And I don't know, I just want to be part of that revolution. (laughs) What do you think is uh, the biggest misconception about what you do when, you know, you're at Thanksgiving and you've got extended family and people know what you do for a living, kind of? What what, what is that sense you get, that, that misconception that people have? I would bet that everybody that works in animation, their parents just say that they're an animator. And I think everybody in my family thinks I'm an animator. Even even when I try and explain, I'm like, animation's not what you think it is. It's all in Korea. And <laughs> like, did you know that there's actually lots of different jobs and some people draw and some people paint, <laughs> some people write, and they're just like, so you're what? Walt Disney though. Yeah. And it's just, which is fair because like I said, like I didn't know there were other jobs until I literally was sitting at a desk doing one. But yeah, for sure. They just, they think everybody's an animator. Yeah. Um, now I do love that you have been, uh, at least in recent years, been a part of a mostly female team, but I would love to ask, are there any particular challenges in regards to being a woman in the animation industry you have faced that you feel comfortable talking about? Yeah. I mean, it's, 
in the years before this, it's, it was very common to be the only woman in the room or one of two or three. And I think, you know, I never got, I never dealt with anything serious, which I feel like needs to be said now. <laughs> um, but it's all the little things like there was definitely interrupting and it was never personal, but you could feel it. Like I would say something and then be talked over. And that was hard. And it was hard to realize that and start tracking it and being like, Oh yeah, this does happen a lot. Even though I'm like technically in charge in the room that I'm in, I am the supervisor. I'm still getting talked over um, and interrupted. And yeah, I mean, it's hard. And especially, I mean, the women in production are so amazing. And I think that there is a sense of like, they, they do get made into moms and you'll see a lot of artists and you'll see a lot of creators take advantage of that and they get to act up because like, Oh, mom will fix it. And it's so frustrating to be like, you are a grown ass man. Like <laughs> stop that behavior. Like what is your problem? Yeah. It's, you know, I'm sure that's the same for every industry. Yeah. I, I'm just, do you feel like I only a, speak for the one? Yeah, but do you feel like I, I see? I've never been a producer in that world. I don't necessarily fully understand it. Do you feel though that a lot of female producers feel as if they're pigeonholed into that role permanently, and there's no path for growth, and it's just, hey, you're you're the production mom, um, and that's your role, and that's what you're good at. Do you feel that 100%. that a lot of them yeah, feel I, that way? I think. Uh, Yeah, a lot of line producers, a lot of production ends up being women. And it's it's not that they went into that hoping to be in production, although some might like it. And I'm sure there's arguments can be made for women are better at organizing. But, but God, there was some statistic that I heard, and I wish I could do it verbatim. But it was some, something was saying that like in art schools right now, it's like 51, 52% women. And then when you get to actual creative positions in animation, it drops down to like maybe twenties or something. It's something ridiculous. And I think that it's nobody's fault. Nobody's doing it on purpose, but I think that there is just such a, there is such a feeling that women, something's happening and I don't know. I'd be so curious to find out what it is, but it, yeah, a lot of these support roles are being filled by women and a lot of the, showrunners and directors and and writers are men and it's it's you know it's nobody's fault it's just like something we need to work on together as society no that's that's a great point and i appreciate your input there and, and perspective because i think and it's important to keep in, in mind and at the same time i've spoken to a, a lot of men in the industry who are really sensitive <laughs> to what's going on and, and trying to advocate, but then oh, others yeah, who totally. are like, what's well, going I don't see what the problem is. Um, and it becomes a very uncomfortable topic of discussion. So I think it's, it's not it's, great. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really tricky, especially when you really care about these guys and you want them to understand and it can be really delicate. Um, but it's definitely an important, I think, thing to at least discuss. So I appreciate and your, it your sounds you know, when you make the arguments, it sounds like you're like, so anyway, you should all lose your jobs and they should be given <laughs> to women. And it's, sometimes I'm saying that, but not all the time. <laughs> but you know, you, no, you, point, you yeah. get to, my, my wife and I were just talking about this at, at both the companies we work at, at our friends' companies, they announce all these new shows 
and you get excited about the shows and there's shows with more female characters and more diversity, but then they're like, and it's being run by this white guy that has run three other shows. And you're like, what, what are you doing? What? Yeah. And, and I, you know, sometimes when you watch shows that may feature prominent female characters, but the writer's room is full of men, I think, I feel like it shows because I feel like the characters aren't that authentic often. And, and I'm like, I don't. That's not jiving with me. Um, yeah, I think so. I feel like the male voice is coming through or the male perception of what that female would have done in that case. And so, yeah, that's 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 a really great point. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. I, and I don't know what the answer is. It's just, I mean, I guess the answer is yeah. just putting more women in positions of <laughs> power, which would be great. Which would be great. I agree. Um, if you were... Um, Let's say, you know, having a, having a couple drinks or, or in a room of a bunch of uh, females specifically or and or males um, that were graduating, getting ready to head into their creative pursuit. Let's say they were interested in, in eventually writing. What kinds of tips would you give them in terms of setting themselves up for success to at least have a good chance at landing, you know, a sure. role in a writer's room eventually? Um, I, you know, one of the things that's been interesting and I, I don't know how much they could <laughs> help this, so I don't know how much of a, advice this is, but something that's been really interesting about writing to realize is how much of it is just being somebody that people want to be in a room with, you know, sometimes we're, we're in a room with these people for eight hours a day all week. And so you you have to make sure that people want to be in a room with you. Cause even if you're the best writer in the world, if you're argumentative or if you're difficult or rude, people would rather go with somebody else. That's easier to hang out with. So, I mean, just be a good person, <laughs> I guess as a general rule, especially because animation is extremely small. And if you get on somebody's bad side, you'll probably going to see them again. Word spreads fast. Yeah. <laughs> that I mean, is a great point. certainly, produce your own content, mm. you know, be working on your own stuff on the side, especially now it seems like so there's so many jobs that people get because people have heard of them through comics or Twitter or Tumblr. Like people get hired just because they've been amazing at fan art and that's mm. gotten them known. So definitely mm. produce a lot of work if you can. Absolutely. And I mean, maybe it's, it's kind of like what we were talking about, but like, don't be afraid. Don't let, people scare you away. Hmm. Um, and I guess that's mostly for women, but, or, or anyone that, you know, can feel marginalized. It's, yeah. it's certainly not just women in the industry that yeah. need more support, but absolutely. just looking around, you can almost get scared away just by the behavior or, or the, the number of women you see around you. Mm-hmm. And it can be hard to pursue what you want, but don't let them scare you away. Yeah. it's a good point. That that's really great advice, um, and in the you know in the early stages when when people are trying to produce their own work, is it you know if you're an artist, it's easy to put your work out there. There's great things like Instagram and Tumblr and and ways, and you'll get instant feedback in terms of whether or not people really respond to it and like it. With writing, I feel like it's a little bit different. And not being a professional writer, this is probably a stupid question, but what would you advise folks? who are just getting started, starting to produce their own scripts and content, like where do they go from there? They don't have an agent. How do they start to get feedback and, um, you know, 
that that kind of a thing like where do they go from there yeah it's certainly harder and i i don't know that i have the best advice for this because i've been meaning to (laughs) do more of my own stuff and just haven't but yeah i you know i have friends that um they write their own shorts and then they film them there's there's always people that also want to be working on their actors reel there's people that want to be directing more so you know collaboration amongst your peers is yeah great that's a good point Uh, that's a good point just always be making something and don't look don't look for excuses (laughs) (laughs) comics i don't know even if you draw poorly draw comics they can be funny but no it's i it it is probably harder I, i know there's fellowships and contests and stuff but those all cost money which is it's tough yeah but that's that's really great feedback though i think i think it's easy always to to find a reason why you can't do something but instead i think the people who actually end up making it are the ones who always find ways to keep creating and keep getting it out there somehow it's a good point it's a good point i know that you know I, i think of people like mindy kaling who just decided to write her own play and put up her own play and did that. And that's what got her, her first writing job. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine that always works or like Megan, Megan Amram just was on Twitter and she was really funny. And now she's writing on the good place and she's a genius. I, I'm sure Twitter's changed. I'm sure you probably can't get picked up that fast anymore. <laughs> that's a great point though. Cause I, I think if you have a unique voice, as long as you're getting it out there, people will respond to it and, and it'll, figure you know you'll figure it out that's that's a fantastic point but it's it's tough tough. yeah is there uh anything you've found particularly inspiring lately before we kind of wrap this wrap up the conversation any shows or any anything that you're oh yes everybody should watch buffy always yes that's the greatest show in the world (laughs) um you know i there's there's been a lot of really cool interesting comedies lately that i think like could not have been made before the last couple of years. Uh, Lady Dynamite is amazing. <laughs> it is insane. It, it's Maria Bamford, and it's just it's it's not like any other show. It, it's so funny, but so weird and very touching. Um, yeah, Tignataro's One Mississippi on Amazon. Yes, you can good. watch that in like four hours, and it's it's good, beautiful. I went into it for the jokes and ended up just crying a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's surprisingly heartfelt. It's it, I, I mean, know it's great. Um, great news! Uh, if anybody's watching Great News, that's yes. like the new Thirty Rock. I think a lot I of us it. are overlooking it, but if you like Thirty Rock, you should definitely watch Great News. Agreed. And I, you know, I'm <laughs> like I said, gay agenda. I'm into anything that's like trying to further that. So I, I just started watching um, Andy Mack, which is a Disney channel show, which they're trying to get into some very serious topics, which I think is amazing for Disney channel. And they're doing, you know, it's, it's, there's teen pregnancy and there's a lot of family stuff and just stuff about race. And one of their main characters, who's like a 13 year old boy just came out as gay on it, which is historical for me. Like for Disney channel to do that is, opens the floodgates oh and if people if i don't know if your your listeners are into comics but witch boy witch boy by molly ostertag is really amazing miss miss marvel their run is so good it's so good 
everything is so good right now. There's too much good stuff right now. Sweet. Well, those are those are great. I always love I love it when I uh, get suggestions for things I haven't checked. And uh, before we do wrap up, because I don't want to keep you any longer than the hour, but um, is there anything that you'd like to plug? Oh, sure. Um, I mean, if, if you guys were fans of the original, you should definitely go check out the Hey Arnold uh, Jungle movie that Nickelodeon just aired. It, it answers a lot of questions. And, you know, I grew up watching that show. So it was just like writing fan fiction for me. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Fantastic. Uh, we'll do. I'm working on an amazing show now that I wish I could talk about. But oh, snap. I, we'll, I don't we'll know when they're our... announcing it. Well, when they do, let me know. We'll make sure to share the news. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be amazing. That's awesome. Well, this has been fantastic, Laura. I so appreciate you taking some time to share your story, and I'm really excited to see where things take you from here. Me too. Fantastic. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely.